It's really a pleasure to be with you. Uh, Today we're going to be continuing our sermon series in the book of James. Our passage for this morning is right where we left off last week in chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. So if you've got your Bible, you can uh, open them or turn them on to James chapter 3. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, uh, we've got several provided for you in the aisle. If you're new to the Bible, James can be hard to find. Uh, It's towards the end of the Bible, and our section for today is on page 1012 of the Bible. So right near the end. Now, in today's passage, James is going to turn his attention to one of the major themes of his letter, our speech. And he's going to warn us that what we say matters. At the beginning of the passage, he starts out with two statements, right, one after another, that are meant to grab our attention. And we'll read the whole section in a minute, but i actually like to turn there with you now and just look at verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Not many of you should become teachers because you will be judged with greater strictness. Why? Because as the rest of the section is going to show us, what we say and how we say it has real, eternal consequences. And so James is starting out with a specific application of a more general principle that he's going to unpack for us in the rest of our section today. Then we continue in verse 2, and it says, For we all stumble in many ways. That word stumble there means to sin. I'm with him so far. We're all sinners. We all sin in what we say. And then he says, And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. And that should really get our attention. He says, if you do not sin in what you say, then you are perfect. You are able to control your whole body. What does he mean by that? Perfect control of your speech is the key to perfect control of yourself. That should really grab your attention. Now, on the one hand, it's important to realize that this is a hypothetical statement. He's saying, if you could control your speech, which you can't, then you would be perfect. The reason it's important to know that this is hypothetical is that he's not establishing a new standard of Christian holiness right here. He's not saying all those things you know about following God and loving God and loving people, just go ahead and throw them out. It's your speech. That's what matters. Fix your speech and you'll be perfect. He's not saying that. But on the other hand, I don't think he's being dramatic. I don't think he's overstating the case to make the point. This is not hyperbole. What's at stake when you speak is perfection. It's exactly that big of a deal. And James today is going to help us understand what he means in three ways, each one taking us a little deeper. Control of your speech is the key to control of yourself because your speech is powerful. And because uncontrolled speech leads to destruction. And your uncontrolled speech comes from a sinful heart. That's what we're going to spend our time unpacking today. So if you will now stand in honor of God's word, I'm going to read from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. 
Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is God's words for us today. You may be seated. So our speech is powerful. James starts right off by giving us three specific examples. He says, how you speak is such a big deal. It's exactly like a bridle to a horse and a rudder to a ship and a spark to a fire. Consider for a second a horse, a powerful creature, wild, running wherever it wills. This powerful creature is controlled by something as small as a piece of metal that we put in its mouth. Or consider for a second a rudder and a ship. Now while the analogy that James is using here would hold true for any naval vessel from a one-man raft to an aircraft carrier, what he has in mind is a sailboat. And I, I know I'm in the wrong century, but I can't help think of the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Right? These huge ships that were meant to cross oceans by only the power of the wind kept on course by such a small thing as a rudder. One of the other ways it's helpful for me to understand this analogy is to think about what a ship is like without a rudder. A ship without a rudder is adrift. It's lost. So what we're meant to see is that something so large as a ship could be controlled by something so small as a rudder. Then consider for a second a spark and a forest fire. How can something so small as a spark that's gone in an instant be responsible for something that is so large and devastating and all-consuming as a forest fire? The point James makes comes out in verse 5. It says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How we speak may seem small, but it has enormous consequences. And today James is saying, don't underestimate your tongue. What we say, however minute it may seem at first, is actually a big deal. We're getting a mandate from James today to consider it. 
The fact that we're not perfect and that we're not expected to be isn't a mandate from God to excuse our consideration of our own speech. We are not off the hook for considering our speech. And so James then turns to the consequences of uncontrolled speech. He turns to, again, several images to paint the picture for us. The uncontrolled tongue is destructive. In verse 6, he picks up again with the image of a fire. This time not thinking about its cause, but its effect. Uncontrolled speech is like a fire. It destroys everything in its way. It's all-consuming. Look at the other words he uses. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue affects every part of our life from top to bottom. It's a stain, a deep red stain on a white wedding dress. You cannot get it out, and it ruins the whole thing. Uncontrolled speech sets on fire the entire course of life. It's something that never goes away. It lasts. It's permanent. Uncontrolled speech is a fire of hell. It is evil. It is a deadly poison. I think the point that James is making is actually pretty clear. Uncontrolled speech is destructive. And boy, do we get that. I mean, just think for a second about the last time somebody said a harsh word to you and brought your world crashing down. If you're like me, I can bring that to mind relatively quickly precisely because it is so painful. And it is hard to forget. And it is hard to forgive. And it's hard to move on because things that are said, those things last. I think we get that uncontrolled speech is destructive. But I wonder if you've considered that you might have that same effect on other people through what you say. That you might bring the same kind of pain that you have felt to others through a misplaced word. I think we need to think carefully about how we speak. Realizing that our uncontrolled speech can have the same painful effects on other people that we know all too well. One of the reasons that I have found this to be so important to see myself in this is that it brings me graciousness when someone speaks a word harshly to me. You see, realizing that I'm not above this kind of damaging speech, this kind of uncontrolled speech, helps me to see myself in somebody who speaks a word and sets my world on fire. It helps me respond to them with patience and kindness and long-suffering. One of the other things that I want you to see about uncontrolled speech is it just isn't damaging to everybody else. When you say something that's uncontrolled, it damages you. One of the best examples of that for me is gossip. Now by gossip, I mean saying something about someone else who isn't part of the conversation. I mean talking to people about somebody else's faults, about getting pleasure out of sharing negative news. I mean savoring knowing something about somebody else that they don't know you know. And I'm just going to take a quick sidetrack here and say gossip is insidious. Gossip is one of those things that sneaks up on you. 
Chances are, anytime you're talking about somebody and they're not there, you are very likely to gossip about them. You are very likely to make them look worse to the person you're talking to, even if you don't mean to do it. And gossip is insidious because it feeds our pride. It elevates our own sense of self by, at the same time, putting down somebody else. It makes us feel that we're better than other people. It taints your opinion of that person so that when you see them the next time, you don't look at them the same way. You don't look at them as somebody you're supposed to love. You don't look at somebody at them as somebody you're supposed to be in relationship with. Look at, you look at them as somebody who has done something wrong to maybe one of your friends. You hold a grudge. You put a wall between you and them so that you're less likely to engage them. Gossip isn't just destructive towards others. It feeds your own pride. It damages your relationship with that person. Uncontrolled speech is destructive. It's like a fire that consumes everything in its path, including the person who speaks it. In verse 7, James continues. He says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. You can tame everything on earth, but you cannot tame the tongue because it is a restless evil. That image of restless evil is one I want us to think about for a minute. A few weeks ago, I was watching a television show where a bunch of guys dressed in army uniforms were trying to put a 30-foot anaconda into a cage. That is a terrifying sight because let me tell you, that snake did not want to go. And every time they got an inch closer, it would move its body, turn its head, bite one of them on the arm. It was a restless evil. It was a caged animal that the second you let your guard down, it escaped, ready to unleash its deadly poison. Friends, that is what our speech is like. I tell you, I get that one too. It happened to me not that long ago. I was having a good day, actually. A pretty good week. I get a phone call from someone, and out of my mouth comes something that is not as gracious as it should have been, and the whole world was on fire. Just for a second, you let your guard down, and your speech can unleash on the world the destructiveness that comes from an uncontrolled word. Your speech is powerful, and it is dangerous to you and to the people around you, and you cannot control it because it is a restless evil. Which brings us to James's third point, that you can't control it because what you say comes from your heart. And your heart is sinful. What you say comes from your heart. And your heart is sinful. I want to make sure you caught that. Because I was feeling pretty good until right now. I think almost everybody has to acknowledge that we haven't been perfect in what we've said. We've said something we didn't mean to. We've been harsher than we've meant to. We've been defensive or short with somebody. But are you really inclined to realize that your lack of controlled speech betrays the condition of your heart? 
See, I think we're prone not only to underestimate the consequences of our speech, but we are prone to underestimate what our speech really says about us. And the warning from James today about our speech isn't merely an indictment of our behavior. The warning from James about our speech is an indictment of our hearts. What you say comes from your heart. An uncontrolled speech reveals that your heart is sinful. And it is precisely this link between an uncontrolled heart, excuse me, between uncontrolled speech and a sinful heart that's meant to show us our need for grace. It's meant to show us our need for Jesus. And so we are going to sit with it for a minute today. Not to bring shame, but that we might feel our need for Jesus more. So we continue in verse 9. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? These images paint a picture of double-mindedness. Of speaking out of both sides of your mouth at the same time. And that kind of double-mindedness is one of the main ways that James describes sin in his letter. You cannot, out of one side of your mouth, bless God, and then out of the other side of your mouth, and at the same time, curse people. See, we were made to be in perfect relationship with the God who made us. We were made to be in perfect relationship with his creation, with everything that he made. And so when we curse people or things that he has made, we are actually sinning against God. It's like a stream. A stream can either be fresh water or salt water. To be both would be a contradiction. It just can't be. It has to be one or the other. So too is it with our speech. It is a contradiction for us to bless God and curse God people at the same time. It cannot be. So friends, don't deceive yourself. When your uncontrolled speech rears its ugly and destructive head, you are in contradiction to the very God who made you. You're not worshiping God. You're far from that. So don't take casually how you speak to other people. Do not dismiss it. Don't underestimate your speech. For when you curse those whom God has created, you offend God Almighty. Our double-minded and uncontrolled speech is offensive to the God who made us. And it gets worse. It gets worse because our uncontrolled and double-minded speech comes from our uncontrolled and double-minded hearts. We say sinful things because we are sinners. Look to verse 12. It says, Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? The kind of fruit you display, meaning your speech, depends entirely on the kind of tree that you are. The kind of water you produce again, meaning your speech here, depends entirely on the kind of pond you are. 
It's about your very nature. Fig trees don't produce olives, and grape vines don't produce figs, and saltwater ponds don't produce fresh water. We say sinful things because we are sinners. Jesus says almost the same thing in Luke chapter 6. I'm going to read it to you. It's from Luke chapter 6, verse 43 and 45. Jesus is speaking. He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of our hearts, do our mouths speak. What you say is all about your heart. Uncontrolled and destructive speech come from an uncontrolled and sinful heart. It's about our nature. So let me take a second now and summarize where I think we've come. The tongue is powerful. And the tongue is destructive. And we cannot control our speech precisely because we cannot control our hearts. We are double-minded. And our speech reveals that about us. So the warning of James is don't underestimate the power of your speech. Consider it carefully because it has enormous implications about the state of your heart. How you speak is precisely as big of a deal as a bit to a horse and as a rudder to a ship and as a spark to a flame. Now I told you that I think this warning from James today isn't meant to bring us to shame. But it is meant to bring us to despair. It's meant to bring us to despair of ourselves and to hope in Jesus. I see two really important implications of the gospel for our message today. The first is that even though your uncontrolled speech reveals a sinful heart, you are not condemned for it when you believe in Jesus. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to die to suffer the penalty of sin for us. That on the cross, on the cross he bore the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to through the gracious and undeserved gift of God, Christ's righteousness is our righteousness. And therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the reason this is so important for you to know is that when you are sitting under the weight of uncontrolled speech, it feels like you are condemned. It wasn't that long ago that I said something I wasn't supposed to. Oh, do I wish I could have it back. And it set the world on fire. And I was embarrassed. And I was ashamed. And it just ate me up for days and weeks. And if you are sitting there this morning, you have to hear me tell you that you are not condemned when you have faith in Jesus. That is the power of the truth. That is the power of the gospel in this situation. The other implication 
of the gospel for this passage comes from realizing that we are never going to be able to control our speech. This is not something that you are ever going to outgrow. We are going to continue to fail at this over and over again. And so the second implication of the gospel for our passage this morning brings us to our final point. How can we control that which is uncontrollable? And I'll tell you, it starts with the heart. Just like an uncontrolled tongue comes from a sinful heart, so too a self-controlled tongue comes from a heart full of love for God. A self-controlled tongue comes from a clean heart that's washed clean by Jesus. The way James puts it comes in chapter 1. It's verse 21. He says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now Matt Givens talked about that a few weeks ago and I think that's one of those verses that if you're not careful you just fly right by. What is the implanted word? Because if it can save my soul, I think we've shown today that we need that. The implanted word of God is God's covenant promise to you planted in your heart. It's that he will be your God and you will be his people. It's that he will write on your hearts his law that you will know him and that he will keep you for heaven. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from his love. So if you want to see victory over how you speak, you need to ask God to cleanse your heart. Draw near to him, and he will write his law on your hearts. He will cleanse you. He will cleanse your heart from all unrighteousness. And from that, you will see victory over your speech. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew unto me a right spirit. That's what the gospel has to say about uncontrolled speech. But the point of the letter of James is ultimately that we would grow in holiness. It's that we would grow in spiritual maturity. The warning today that our speech is a much bigger deal than we might have realized is meant to drive our spiritual growth. And this has been one of the areas in my life that I have struggled with most consistently how do I find self-controlled speech? In fact, for a while, I used to take pride in the fact that I could tear people down with my words. My friends used to call it my Chicago charm. But graciously, graciously, God has shown me my sin. And he's helped me to grow into his likeness. And it's been my experience that there are some really practical approaches that can help you grow into the spiritual maturity of self-controlled speech. Friends, trust me. Disciplined speech can be an enormous agent of change for holiness in your life. And so with the time that we have left, I just want to share about six things that I've learned as I have been cleansed, as my heart has been washed clean by God. The first is be slow to speak and quick to listen. James actually says that. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. 
That can be particularly challenging for those of us who are verbal processors. That can be particularly challenging uh, for those of us who are extroverts. I happen to be both, so I know a lot about this. It can be dangerous because before you have realized what you have said, you have unleashed the uncontrolled speech that you hate so much. And one of the ways that I have become slow to speak is by disciplining myself to ask questions before I pronounce judgments. It's actually relatively simple. When somebody asks my opinion about something, when somebody asks me to speak into something, I rarely ever give my opinion the first thing out of the gate because I've learned that I need more time to think about what I have to say. That if I speak right away without considering it, I likely will be sorry that I did. And so one of the ways that you can find yourself being slow to speak and quick to listen is to ask a question first. The other thing I've learned is silence is okay. It is okay to be uncomfortable with silence. It is okay to be uncomfortable not knowing the answer. Friends, it is much better to not know and to come back to it. It is much better to have silence than to say something you wish you hadn't. The other thing is I found that we tend to know when we're going to say something we shouldn't have. We have this kind of gut feeling of uncomfortableness. Sometimes we even say it. You say something like, you know, I know I probably shouldn't say this, but just don't. I mean, there is still time to not say what you feel uncomfortable to say. I, listen to your instinct on that one. It is much better to be self-controlled in the way that you speak than it is to speak offhand or without listening to your instincts. The other thing that I've found is that you really need to ask yourself why you're saying something. Is it because it needs to be said or is it because you need to say it? You need to wonder, is the thing I'm saying really for the benefit of the person that I am talking to or is it for my benefit? We talked about gossip a little while ago and I think it comes back into play here. When you're talking to somebody, does that person really need to know what you're about to say? One of the ways that I've made that distinction in my life is by asking a couple of questions. Is what I'm about to say bringing clarity to a situation? Is what I'm about to say going to bring unity to a situation? And if the answer to all three of those questions is no, that it doesn't need to be said, that it doesn't bring clarity, and that it doesn't bring unity, then you probably shouldn't be saying it. The third thing that I've found is apologize. Oh, friends, please, when you say something you shouldn't, be quick to apologize. The first reason is it will free you. It is so embarrassing to have to go back and tell someone you're sorry for something you have said. It's a tough one because you've got to humble yourself. You've got to eat what you said and you've got to walk back into that room when you just yelled at somebody and you've got to say, you know, I'm sorry. I forgot that I'm a child of God. I forgot that Jesus paid for me. I forgot that. There's no room for that kind of defensiveness in my speech. I'm sorry. It's remarkably freeing to do that. But it's also been one of those things that I have hated doing. And so I have to admit, I don't like to say things that are uncontrolled because I really don't like having to go back and apologize. So make yourself apologize and you won't say that again, I promise. 
Um, the next thing that I have found to be really helpful is to know where my hotspots are, to know what are the situations that I get myself into where I'm very likely to have uncontrolled speech. It helps me to be on the watch for those. I'll just tell you three of mine really quickly. Uh, the first one is when I don't really think it's that big of a deal. So when I say something that's just a little half-truth, when I say something that's an exaggeration that just makes me look a little better than I really am, uh, that's when I'm really at risk for saying something that's uncontrolled and can have consequences that I didn't realize. The other one is when I feel like somebody deserved it. So if somebody says something to me that uh, was wrong and I let go on them, I sort of feel like, yeah, they deserved what they had coming to them. That's not the graciousness and patience that Jesus teaches us. So I have to realize when somebody does something that hurts me, I'm at risk for turning right back around. The other one for me is when I know people really well. So particularly with my wife and my children and my closest friends, I don't really think carefully about my speech patterns. They tend to um, just get away from me, and I get into a pattern of destructive speech without knowing it. You probably have several that are relevant for you. Those are mine. Just think about areas in your life where you're likely to fall into the trap of the uncontrolled destructive speech that we've been talking about. The next one is when you speak in a way that is destructive, you have to learn what that really says about your heart. You have to learn your own patterns because then when you see them, you can quickly identify them, confess of them, and find growth in them. So uh, in my better moments, my uncontrolled speech actually is a gift to me because it helps me realize that my heart still needs Jesus. And so I've identified, I don't know how many I wrote down, five or six reasons that I know that I tend to get into uncontrolled speech. The first for me is when I get defensive and angry, it's because I feel entitled for something. I feel like I didn't get what was coming to me, and so I'm going to become defensive or angry. It may be different for you. I don't think um, anger has a one-to-one correlation like that. But for me, it's entitlement. Uh, For gossip, when I say things about people to bring them down, it's usually because I'm feeling insecure about myself. Uh, When I blame people, and don't see my own fault. It's usually because I'm forgetting that I'm a sinner. I don't recognize that I had something to do with the pain that's being caused. When I flatter people, I realize that it's more important to have people like me than it is to tell them the truth. Those are just five or six that are really important to me. I think you're going to have to find those for yourself. When I speak in an uncontrolled way, what is that really saying about my heart? That's so important for you as you find confession That's how you're going to draw near to God. And then the final thing is just to ask people to speak into this part of your life. Our speech is a blind spot for us. We just can't see it. And so you've got to ask people who you trust to tell you. Now, today, what I do not want is for you to walk out of here and go find somebody and say, you know, your speech is really uncontrolled. And I think that tells me that you're a sinner and here's why. That will not go well for you. But what I do want you to do is go find somebody that you trust and say to them, think about how you've heard me talk recently. Is there any part of my life where you feel like my speech is uncontrolled or destructive? What do you think that really says about me? Ask your spouse if you're really up for it. But I think this would be a great way to use our small groups. This would be a great way to have someone speak into your life because, friends, the best gifts that have been given to me in my spiritual growth have been when people have had the courage to tell me what I didn't want to hear. Those conversations are not easy, but trust me, they are a gift to your soul. Friends, I think the message of James today is that our speech is powerful and destructive, and we cannot 
We cannot control it because our hearts are sinful. And we need Jesus. We need Jesus to be assured that we are not condemned for our speech. And we need him to cleanse our hearts that we might grow in spiritual maturity. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the gift of this word. Thank you that you do not leave us blind to our sin. That you do not leave us to wonder. But that you show us that our speech is something that reveals our hearts. Oh, Father, help us to control it. We are so weak. We are so full of pride. Father, help us to find growth in this area. Help us as a community to do that together. To encourage one another, to see the gospel, to believe it more fully. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.